Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Counter. Chris Corman here, editor at For the Win, joined by Stephen Ruiz, our lead NFL writer. Stephen, we are marching right along toward the NFL season. Uh, still seems like things are on the right pace. How are you feeling, my friend? Well, we're talking about the Panthers' outlook in 2020, so I'm not feeling too good. Although I think uh, it, it, it's going to be like cathartic to talk about what they did during the offseason, which made no sense. So it's, it's a rough day for you. We are going to preview. Uh, this is the third in four episodes previewing the NFL. Uh, today we are looking at the AFC and NFC uh, South divisions. Uh, some intrigue there. Should be exciting. The news around the league, just to get to it, Luckily, it dovetails with the uh, teams we're talking about. The Jaguars uh, cut uh, Leonard Fournette, which was a little bit of a surprise, um, and finally traded uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, the defensive end, to the Minnesota Vikings. So it sure seems like Jacksonville realizes that it's time to tank. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, as we get going here. Also, the Saints, Alvin Kamara, their uh, dynamic running back is holding out, uh, which every running back should do because the scale is totally tilted against running backs and they need to get money whenever they can because they're not going to last that long. Uh, so a lot of the news coming out of the league is is actually happening in these two divisions. So we'll hit on that when we come. Uh, but like I said, the, uh, you know, Leagues are basically out of camps at this point. Uh, teams are out of camp, sort of the camp structure at this point. They're uh, practicing a little bit more at stadiums, going through scrimmages, uh, working toward actually playing football. Uh, I am completely fascinated by just thinking about what it's going to look like because there have not been exhibition games. Uh, it's going to be totally unreal, uh, you know, just to see teams plop out on the field next Thursday and start playing uh but but it's an exciting time uh so we'll look at look at all that we're going to start with the nfc south uh and a team that i think is in you know pretty much perfect position to uh to weather this weird season we've been talking about this you know all all summer long that uh, veteran teams that don't have to acclimate a lot of new players to what they're doing are probably going to do best. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champions, pretty much have in place what the, their key players, uh, you know, a head coach that they've been playing for for a while now, know what he wants. Uh, seems like they're good to go. I think the New Orleans Saints, uh, who Stephen projects to win the NFC South, are in this same position. Uh, not a lot of additions. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins returns. Uh, he left the New Orleans for the Eagles, and he returns. He knows what they want to do. They added Emmanuel Sanders, who is a, a true veteran who is just going to step right in and uh, know his role and, and figure it out quickly. 
so this team is seems poised, I think, to to make a deep run. Thirteen and three last year with a plus one hundred seventeen point differential. Offensive DVOA fourth, defensive eleventh. Uh, Bet MGM has the over under at ten point five wins. Football Outsiders projection ten point five wins. Steven, you feel very high on this team. I think it's interesting that your big concern is will Drew Brees fall off? And I mean that's a that's a completely valid concern. Uh, Drew Brees was in college when I was in college. Uh, actually, I think he was leaving college when I was a freshman in college. So this guy's old, uh, and <laughs> this may happen. Uh, how's it, how's your deep ball right now? Uh, not uh, 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 not good, man. Not good. I mean, I could I could try it, but then I need the ice <laughs> for like three weeks. So uh, so this you know this very well could happen. He's obviously a, a precision passer. He's not. It's you know he's never gotten by because he has the strongest arm, but. Uh, you know, this it could happen at some point. Uh, so, what's your read of what you saw from him last year, and and whether or not he can carry that through this season? There's, I think, from this point on for the rest of his career, there's always going to be questions about his deep ball, but there's not really any meaningful evidence that suggests that it's really a problem for him yet. Like his average depth of target dropped last year, but we've seen it drop to that level before. Like in 2017, it was around the same the same right. depth. And then it went back right back up the next year. And then his his completion percentage over expectation is still very good. I think he might have been close to the top of the league in that. So there's not really a sign of him declining. Like mate you can look at Tom Brady and you could see that his accuracy numbers have kind of fallen off and his depth of target has fallen off. And a lot of these metrics have fallen off. And you could say, oh, look, there's reason to believe that he's declining. That's not really the case with Drew Brees. And it probably helps that he has Sean Payton designing his plays and he has all of these weapons around him, which could kind of hide any decline that we might see. I The only reason we're expecting him to decline is because he's old and we expect guys with weaker arms. He's never had, like you said, he, he's never had a stronger arm. We expect that that to show up a little earlier than guys like maybe Patrick Mahomes is going to keep his strong arm deeper into his career. Right. Yeah, the depth of target issue, too. He, I, he was basically only throwing to Michael Thomas last year. Michael Thomas had 185 targets. Uh, so Breeze essentially read whether Thomas was going to get open. And if he didn't, he dumped the ball off, uh, mm-hmm. which really kills your depth of target. And this year with Emmanuel Sanders at least being a viable second option, I feel like we're going to see more throws down the field. Uh, the Saints also managed to get Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton, who I, I think was your number one tight end after yeah. watching the film, got him at 105th. Uh, so later, uh, you know, he's probably going to be depth to start, but, you know, they're starting to build up around Breeze. Now, obviously, if Alvin Kamara stays out for any extended period of time that, you know, he is a dynamic uh, player who, who opens a lot of things up for them. But, you know, it seems like this offense is, is trending upward. They also added Ty Montgomery, who is a very versatile player. Uh, again, like you said, Sean Payton, a lot of options for what he wants to do. How about defensively? Where, where does this team stand defensively? Like I said, Malcolm Jenkins returns one of the most, uh, you know, dynamic, just a guy who can do a lot of things. I remember you writing about the Eagles using him. I mean, in one game, he played like seven different positions. You know, he, he was all over the field. Uh, how will he fit in and, and where is this defense in your mind? I think it's going to be very good. Like it was just outside the top 10 last year in terms of DVOA. And it wasn't really like based on things that we expect to regress, like turnover Turnovers, they were like around league average, red zone performance, third down performance. They were around league average, so we should expect them to remain the same in that area. And I think Malcolm Jenkins just pushes them up another notch because one of their big issues was giving up big plays. And when you have a guy as smart as Jenkins back there and he's communicating before the snap, I think that shores up those issues. And like Von Von Bell was the only player they really lost from the defense, and they arguably upgraded that position with Jenkins. And I think Dennis Allen is probably the most underrated defensive coordinator. Like he doesn't really get a lot of attention, but this is one of the more modern defenses in the league. Like they play a lot of too high coverages. They stop the run with minimal numbers. I, 
I really love the approach they take. I, they have so much talent at every level of the defense. Like even the line, it's like stacked on the outside and at the tackle position. The linebacker, there's not a lot of depth there behind Demario Davis, but he's like an elite linebacker that doesn't get credit for it. But that's really the only issue. And if you're going to have an issue on defense, make it at the linebacker position. Like coverage-wise, pass rush-wise, they're just so good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just uh, looking at the roster, thinking about this team, it's just, uh, I, you know, it just set to go. I mean, it's, it's a very good team. It's deep at every position. doesn't appear to be any glaring weaknesses. Uh, you have – you are picking the over for wins, which I think is – an easy call here. 10.5 was the bet MGM line there. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, this team just seems like a 13, 14 win team. Uh, right. And the one concern would be that Drew Brees gets hurt because he is old, but I right. saw last year, they like overcame that with Teddy Bridgewater and they, they have a better backup now with James Winston. Oh man, man, Jameis. Gosh, I want to see Jameis play a little bit for the so do I. saints great just let it rip speaking of Jameis, uh your number two team in this division uh totally different story here basically have remade their offense uh tampa bay buccaneers obviously huge additions in the offseason tom brady and rob gronkowski um you know brady replaces as you said Jameis winston this team was seven and nine last year plus nine point differential offensive dvoa 22nd defensive dvoa fifth uh, 10 wins over under for BetMGM. Football Outsiders projection has 8.9 wins. You know, the story here is is the transition from from Brady to, from Winston to Brady. Uh, Winston is a uh, much more interesting quarterback at this point of his career, a much more uh, proficient quarterback as far as making throws, but uh, his risks. I mean, we all know that he throws a ton of interceptions. Tom Brady presumably is not going to be that player, uh, even in a different system under Bruce Arians. Obviously, with the Patriots, he was a very uh, efficient player. Uh, you know, we we had that episode earlier this year where we talked to Gotham Chopra about uh, a series that he did where Brady was talking about his favorite game, and it was this, this game against the Bills where he just completed a ton of passes, uh, and it was just like sort of pinpoint passing. Uh, all over the field, nothing, you know, not, not many highlight reel throws. Like that's who Tom Brady is. You know, he really wants to sort of, I mean, he's fine dinking and dunking. That's who he is. He's making those smart plays. Uh, how that all meshes with what Arians, who generally wants to throw the ball deeper down the field, uh, how it meshes with that, uh, you know, we're going to find out. Um, but that really is the story here, right? Is whether or not Brady, makes a big enough difference being a more conservative and careful quarterback than Jameis Winston was. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that adding Brady makes them better on offense. Like obviously there's going to be fewer turnovers, but that you're exchanging that for fewer passes downfield, presumably. But I do think it's going to make them better as a team because it's going to improve their defense. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Tom Brady is not going to throw 30 interceptions and he's not going to throw seven pick sixes. And that's why this team gave up so many points. They were fifth in defensive DVOA, but they were bottom five in points allowed. Mm -hmm. So there's reason to believe that their defense is going to take a step back because they took a giant leap last year. They were one of the worst defenses in 2018 and then one of the best in 2019. And when that happens you tend to see a lot of regression in that next year teams bounce are it's called, I think it's called the, the plexiglass principle by football outsiders. Like when you have this, this big jump, you're going to, you're going to bounce back. And so there's reason to believe they're going to regress, but there's also reason to believe that the results are going to be better. Like even if they're technically uh, a worse defense based on efficiency, in terms of points allowed, they're going to be better because they're not going to be giving teams short fields. I think they had the worst average opponent starting field position in the league last year. That's not going to be the case right. this year. So that's going to be the benefit that Tom Brady brings. Like if it's not on offense, it's going to be on defense. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to discount Tom Brady because obviously that's a dumb thing to do. He's been, uh, 
one of the better quarterbacks ever to play the game for a long time now. Uh, and he is throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, you know, and uh, OJ Howard. I mean, this is one of the, and Rob Gronkowski, like this is one of the better offenses he's ever going to be a part of. Uh, so, you know, the chances of him being pretty good, uh, you know, it's possible. Uh, he's, he's an amazing player. He He's broken our expectations many times before. But, uh, you know, he was really bad in the second half of last season um, from the Football Outsiders annual. You picked out some stats. Uh, his lowest touchdown total since 2006, lowest touchdown rate of his career, lowest completion rate since 2013, lowest yards per attempt since 2002, his lowest yards per completion since 2008, lowest passer rating since 2013. I, you know, I mean – he's on the backside of his career. Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's just no, uh, no doubt about it at this point. So it, it really, again, it's about this fit and we've, we broke it down other times uh, what it, what this fit is going to be like with Arians offense. How much is Arians going to come back to Tom Brady? Because Brady, we've, we've had uh, Henry McKenna, our Patriots reporter on talking about how much Brady really shaped what the Patriots did uh, and how how precise he wanted those things to be, how difficult it was for young wide receivers to come in and learn to play with Tom Brady because he wanted things exactly the way he wanted them. Uh, so, you know, we just have no sense of how that's going to go. We don't even have a August, you know, 12th preseason game where he plays three series and we <laughs> dissect every little throw. You know, we don't even have that to go on. So... We'll just have to see how that all comes out once we start getting some film. I'm sure Steven will be digging in on that. Um, you mentioned defensively that this team could be really good. Uh, I, I mean, it, could you see that? Is this sort of a scenario like the Denver Broncos when Peyton Manning came over and they could win with the defense? Yeah, I definitely could see that. And in those first few years, they had record-breaking offenses to go along with very good defenses. And then obviously in 2015, it was historically good. I don't know if the, the Buccaneers are capable of getting to that point, but the offense right. should be better than what we saw out of those late Broncos teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, this team does not have uh, a, a single running back that scares you. Uh, how much will that really matter? I mean, you always say that, Running games don't matter that much, but uh, is that a real weakness here? Uh, I don't think so. I, I thought the offense was fine last year and they didn't have a running back. If you take away the turnovers, it would have been one of the best offenses in the league. So I don't see it being an issue. And then one thing Arians has said about this new look offense, if it is a new look offense, is that he's excited to see more audibles and check with me's before the play because Brady is really comfortable doing that. So that should help the the running game because you're going to be running into uh, good looks every time. You're not going to be running into bad looks. So just based on that, I expect the running game to be much better. Defensively, uh, a bunch of guys came back. Again, this just feels like a defense that's in position to be good again because it doesn't have to change much. Nadamakan Sue is back, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett. They were all free agents who opted to come back. Uh, Antoine Winfield was the, I think, was he a second-round pick? Yeah. Uh, 45th, yeah, safety out of Minnesota, who, you know, uh, adds, adds some deep coverage for them. Um, what do you think this team – are, are you projecting the over for this team? Uh, the BetMGM was at 10 wins. Do you think Brady can can get them there? Yeah, I, I think this is at least an 11-win team. I mean, wow. I could see Brady really falling off. Like, that's always a possibility, and maybe mm-hmm. they only win nine games, but I'm expecting the defense to be fine. It's going to be better. It's going to give up fewer points at least, and there's just too much talent on the offense for it to be bad. It's not going right. to be bad. So I don't see how they lose, you know, more than five games. The Atlanta Falcons, on the other hand, (laughs) seven and nine last year, negative 18 point differential. Uh, Raheem Morris took over as defensive coordinator at some point last year, right? And is is remaining, Uh, you know, Dan Quinn, the head coach, 
certainly feels like he's on the hot seat uh, just because this team has not been good defensively. 20th in DVOA last year in defense, offense 15th. Um, just sort of the, uh, you know, the complete characterization of mediocre. Uh, the Falcons have been for a couple years now. Um, they added Dante Fowler, uh, the edge rusher, Hayden Hurst, the tight end in the trade with Baltimore, Todd Gurley. I know you're excited about that one. <laughs> and edge rusher, Charles Harris. Um, where is this team headed, man? I mean, this, uh, I do not feel very good about, about this team. The secondary remains a huge weakness. They did pick A.J. Terrell, uh, the cornerback, out of Clemson with their first-round pick. Not a guy you loved at all. You think he's going to get exploited. He's a little bit of a taller uh, cornerback. I'm not sure that he's athletic enough to be a star in the NFL. Um, so what do you see coming from this team? Uh, more of the same. Like, they finished – with four straight wins last year. And I think that was probably, probably the worst thing that could have happened for the franchise because right. it convinced ownership that maybe, Hey, maybe we're on to something, but that usually doesn't happen. Like there's no correlation between second half success for a team and what they do the next year, which makes sense. Cause right. like, you're not really carrying over that momentum. There's months in between. And I, I don't see any reason why this defense is going to be better. And that's usually the key with the, with the, the Falcons. And I don't know if the offense is going to be any better because Dirk Cutter is still around and he's he right. lowers the ceiling on the team. I, I do think the ceiling is pretty high because they have a good passing game. And we know right, they're going to have right. a good passing game that gives you a chance to win every week. But when you're giving up 30 points a game, and I, I think that's going to happen again this year, Like they follow the same script every year, it seems like. The defense just starts out horribly. Dan Quinn makes some kind of change at midseason and then things improve. But last year, the improvement coincided with an easier schedule. So I don't even think that was real. And the secondary looks bad again. Pass rush-wise, I don't know if it's going to be any better. Like on paper, it looks a little bit better, but it's not going to be reliable. Linebackers, another weakness. Like they can't stay healthy there. I just don't see where this team is like a lot better. Because Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, I mean, they're still there, but they were there last year. and Right. And the offensive line seems to be taking a step back, too. So I could see the offense even taking a step back this year. Right, right. Not to continue on a theme, but Matt Ryan, uh, again, is is not a young quarterback. Julio Jones is certainly not young for a wide receiver. Uh, they're, they're both incredible football players who have sort of dragged this team to uh, respectability in the last few years. Uh, but like you said, the offense is, is – not imaginative at all. Uh, the offensive line is mediocre, even though they've uh, spent at that position. Um, so, you know, I, I, you're just not seeing much here to, to go on that feels like this team can can jump forward. Um, what is your pick here for over-under? Uh, BetMGM had 7.5 wins. The over-under football outsiders projection has it of 8.1 which I'm a little surprised by. I feel like this team is headed the wrong direction. But what's your take here? I'm going to pick the under, but I could see them making a run at the playoffs because they do have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones still, and Calvin Ridley is pretty good. They have they have offensive weapons. Right. And the offensive line was young last year, and they have some guys that could bounce back, like Jake Matthews and uh, Alex Mack. The offensive line could be better. And maybe they yeah. get some luck on defense. They get a little more turnover luck, and I could see them winning ten games. But I'm gonna take the under. I think more of the same. Like the defense struggles once again. You're gonna see more inconsistency from the offensive line. I don't think the running game's gonna be any better. And then Dirk Cutter. I keep going back to Dirk Cutter. I I just don't think he's gonna get the most out of this offense. You think? Uh, you think this is the final year for uh, for this group? To, to try to to make a push? I, mean, I thought last uh, year was the final year, and that wasn't the case. So I'm going to say yes, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting to think about the, you know, obviously since 28 to 3, uh, it's, it's hard not to go back to that, to that moment in time and think about how this uh, franchise has 
sort of meandered its way to where we are now and what is coming. You know, if, if Dan Quinn gets replaced, you know, a lot of times when there's a defensive-minded coach who wears that as welcome, you know, the next move is to find the next offensive genius and go that direction. And then he's probably going to want maybe to draft a quarterback. You know, we're, are we going to get into that retooling with Atlanta in the next couple of years? Sure seems like that's a possibility. Uh, which brings us to the Carolina Panthers, five and eleven last year, negative one hundred thirty point differential, twenty eighth offensive DVOA, defensive DVOA twenty fifth, pretty bad. Uh, Matt Rule has come in, hired away from Baylor as head coach. He made a big splash by getting Joe Brady to leave LSU and become his offensive coordinator. Um, Cam Newton obviously is gone. Teddy Bridgewater is in his place, and uh, his team. I don't. I don't know if you're going to make it through this segment, but um, <laughs> we have talked. We've talked about it a bunch. There, uh, the, it it does not seem like a clean plan. Usually, if you if you lose a former franchise quarterback and hire a new coach in the NFL, that the plan is very clean for you. Like you have it laid out in front of you. Like okay, time to tank. Time to draft a QB. Take you know two seasons and rebuild and and go. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the Panthers are completely committed to that process. Uh, they did sign Bridgewater to a, a fairly large deal. Um, gave Christian McCaffrey all the money in the world to play running back. Uh, so where is this team at this point in your mind? Obviously, Luke Keekley is gone. He retired. Dontari Poe left. Gerald McCoy. Uh, the defense was just ravaged by departures. So it's it, this is not a team in a good position to win NFL games this year but it doesn't seem like a team totally committed to rebuilding the way that most teams need to rebuild. So in your mind, uh, and, and please try not to break down, but uh, where is this franchise right now? It's in a similar spot that it was in in 2010. And they had the same GM who got fired because of how he handled right. that 2010 offseason, but somehow made it back into the front <laughs> office. He got like the interim tag and just kind of stuck around. And then <laughs> he just kind of got the, the full-time job. It's it's like in Seinfeld when Kramer was like wandered into an office and like, ended up <laughs> there. And it's, it's one of those situations. I don't know how he's still the GM, but he is the GM. We're talking about Marty Herney. Right. And he's making the same mistakes he made last time. Like he's, overpaying all these players just so he can build what seems like it's ceiling is like a seven and nine team, maybe like on paper, if the defense is a little better than I expect it to be, but that's as high as I'm going to go with this team. And it's floor is, I think it's going to be the worst team in the league. Like football outsiders agrees with me. Football mm-hmm. outsiders thinks it's the worst defense in the league. And I, I mean, you look at the depth chart and I don't know how you could argue with that. Like it's going to be really bad. And then, you have this offense led by Teddy Bridgewater, who's not a guy that you want in shootouts. Like, he's just not a guy. If your defense right. is giving up 30 points, Teddy Bridgewater is a fine quarterback when you have a good defense. But when you have a defense such as bleeding points, like, you don't want Teddy Bridgewater throwing it 40 times. I don't think he wants to throw it 40 times. But there are pieces on the offense. So the offense could be watchable. And Joe Brady, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was a good hire. And I think he meshes well with Bridgewater. And Obviously, he comes from the Saints coaching staff, and Bridgewater was there the last two years, so there's some connection there. But this team needed to to rebuild. And I think they're going to end up rebuilding, but not by choice. Like, they're going to be a bad team, and that's going to force them to take a quarterback next year, which is – that's what we the Panthers fans want. They want Trevor Lawrence. They want right. Justin Fields. If that's how this season ends, then it's just, it's – like just a success, just like that 2010 season was because they ended up with Cam Newton. Right. So this poor planning might work out in the end, like it did in 2010. And hopefully (laughs) it also leads to Herney's second demise. (laughs) I was going to say, it's not, it's, it's poor planning when the planning should be to be poor, but they're not like it's right. just, they're not really taking the steps. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Um, football outsiders projection. You said they had them as the worst team in the league, 5.7 wins. You're seeing even fewer than that, right? Yeah. I'm going to take the under, like I could easily see the team going six and 10, but I, that's if everything goes right. And 
I've watched this team long enough to know that everything is not going to go right. It's probably going to be the opposite. Everything's going to go wrong. And the young players that Panthers fans are hoping take a leap are probably not going to take a leap. The secondary just looks awful on paper. The only bright spots are young guys that are unproven. And the same goes for the defensive line, like outside of Kwan Short, who's a pro bowler. They have a lot of young guys who are promising, but we don't know what to expect from them. And then their first round pick, Derek Brown, was mostly a run stuffer in college. So I don't even know how much of a difference he's going to make. And then like two years ago, they had Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, And then Shaq Thomas was coming off the bench. And now they don't have any of those guys except for Shaq. And I just, those guys were holding the defense together and barely doing it. Now those veterans are gone. And I just think this defense is going to go to hell and I don't see anyone who can save it. And I don't expect Phil Snow, who is coaching in the NFL for the first time ever in his coaching career. I don't think he's going to have the answers. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, Matt Roll is a very good football coach. I I think he's a smart coach. I think, like you said, Joe Brady is one of the most exciting up and coming coaches. Phil Snow has been a good, but it's going to take these guys time. Uh, I mean, most College coaches that make the jump to the NFL don't do well ever, uh, but but even those that do eventually figure it out, it takes time. Uh, so there's just, I, I mean, everything points to this group needing a year, a year and a half, two years to really figure out how to coach at this level. And that's fine because it should be dovetailing with a, a proper rebuild. It's just that the, the rebuild is not, as you noted, really going the way that it should go but it may just end up happening that way um so i I think that's definitely where it stands the counter in season two of the sneak a podcast from for the win in usa today we will tell the story of surfing champion jack roland murphy who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country but that was just the beginning of his story one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's jump over to the AFC South now. And uh, you have the Indianapolis Colts at the top here. This is a team that... Uh, feel you know felt like it was gearing up gearing up gearing up and then last year Andrew Luck unexpectedly retired the uh, anniversary of that was a couple days ago and uh, was just totally fascinating to remember how surreal that was back back in the before time before COVID when sporting (laughs) events could like take away uh, your you know your entire attention and you could just be shocked by uh, something that happens in sports that was certainly that night uh, Andrew Luck walking away literally in the middle of a game um, and announcing that he was going to retire Uh, the Colts have obviously signed uh, Philip Rivers to fill that void after uh, last season where Jacoby Brissett was just not quite uh, up to the job uh, and also traded for DeForest Buckner, the defensive uh, lineman from the 49ers. So I think the optimism is extremely high with the Colts. I think that this is, they see, you know, they thought last year was going to be the year that they could make a run. Uh, the luck decision change that and now this is this is the do-over this is a team that feels very good about itself they, they finished seven and nine last year with a negative 12 point differential 19 offensive dvoa and 17th defensive but uh really have retooled here how do you feel about this team i know they added uh wide receiver michael pittman jr in, early in the second round he's a guy that you loved i think he was either your he was like your second or third uh, wide receiver uh, when you scouted the draft. Uh, so this team feels like it, uh, again, another team that should 
be there when we get to the playoffs and, and have a shot. Uh, obviously not where the Chiefs are, but should be in that mix. Yeah, and this team like was closer to making the playoffs than even I remember. They were 5-2 and two at one point in the season, and that's when Brissett mm-hmm. got hurt. He hurt his knee. Brian Hoyer had to play. They lost two winnable games. They should have won. And if they won those games, they would have been 7-2. and two. So they were – I mean, that would have changed their season. And then Brissett never really made it back to being healthy. His knee bothered him the rest of the year, and he kind of fell off a cliff. So they're making a major upgrade at quarterback in my mind. I think Phillip Rivers is still very good. I know he threw a lot of interceptions, but a lot of those interceptions were late in the games where they mm-hmm. had, had – they were going to lose those games anyway. So I don't think they mattered. I think he was just trying to keep his team in the game. Right. And he was very good outside of those interceptions. So I expect him to bounce back. And he's finally playing with a good offensive line for right. the first really time. Line. Yeah, yeah, really good offensive line for the first time in, in like a decade at least. So I just expect him to be very good next year. And if he's very good, this Colts team is going to be very good. The defense might just be average, but that's going to be enough if they score a lot of points. And like there's no reason to expect them to be worse than they were last year. Like you look at their underlying metrics and like, there's no regression coming. They're going to, they might even be better. Now they have DeForest Buckner, who I think just improves that whole defensive line. He made everything so much easier for the 49ers star pass rushers last year because they like the, how the 49ers use them. They put them over the center and that kind of dictated what you could do with your protection. Like you couldn't double team guys. So I think I assume the Colts are going to use them the same way so even if the Colts don't have you know Nick Bosa on the edge or D Ford on the edge they're still going to get one-on-one opportunities and then plus Buckner himself is a good pass pass rusher so uh, I'm expecting the defense to be better the secondary is a question mark but they did bring in some young guys and there's some reason for optimism there and their linebacking group is very good although that doesn't really move the needle in today's NFL right but I'm expecting them to be at least good on offense and then solid on defense. And in the AFC South, I think that's enough to win 10, 11 games. Does this team have enough uh, offensive weapons? I mean, uh, Rivers obviously is not a, a, a big arm. I mean, he's an incredibly uh, accurate passer. He's great at, at timing his throws. Uh, he's thrown T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, as I mentioned, Paris Campbell, although uh, he was in a car accident, I guess, and has been – incredibly uh, injury-prone, as, as you pointed out to me earlier by reading off his list of injuries. Um, I think both their tight ends have been injured in, but they're starting tight at Jack Doyle, and tr- they signed Trey Burton. I think both of those guys have been hurt in training camp. Does Rivers have enough here? They drafted Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. Is is that offense dynamic enough to, to really get to that next level? I think so, on paper at least, like if everything goes right. Like Paris Campbell is a talented player, and apparently he was doing really well in camp before the car accident. And the car accident isn't too serious, so I don't know how much it's going to derail his season. But if he's there and Michael Pittman is as good as I think he's going to be, he's another big target for Rivers, which the Colts really lacked last year. And then T.Y. Hilton is still very good. And... Rivers does have experience dealing with uh, a skill group that is depleted by injuries. Like he played, he's coming from the Chargers. Like the Charge, he was the only one on the Chargers that seemed to be immune from injury. So I think it's just more of the same for him. Except he has a better offensive line, and as long as he has protection, he's going to find an open receiver, and he's still accurate enough to get the ball to them. Uh, defensively, the secondary looks like the the weakness. Um, what do you see happening at the, the corner spots and can this team hold up at, at, in coverage? Well, they're banking on Xavier Rhodes bouncing back and he hasn't been very good for two years and he was arguably one of the worst cornerbacks in the league last year. So that's kind of an issue, but they do play a lot of zones. So they're not going to uh, ask him to like man up on top receivers at every snap. And then there's some like intriguing young players like Rocky Sin, who right. was, I think, a 2019 day two pick. And then Marvin Tell, who they converted from safety. And he, he kind of showed some flashes late last year. And then TJ Carey is like just a rock solid veteran. So there, there are some dudes in the secondary. And then 
the safety group should be good. Like Malik Hooker has been a good player. He just hasn't been healthy. And then they drafted Julian Blackman, who I really liked. He's like a he's like a nickel type safety. Like he he can drop into the box and play man coverage, but he can also drop deep. So they have some some guys back there. I think if those guys work out, the defense has a chance to be like in the top fifteen of the league. Right. Uh, Bet MGM, 8.5 wins over under. Football Outsiders projection, 8.9 wins. What's your take over or under that? I'm taking the over and I'm very confident because they have the easiest schedule by like any metric you can find that measures that. They're, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Like Football Outsider says it. I think Warren Sharp, whatever metric he uses, he says it. Just traditional strength of schedule. It's just an easy slate for them. I think they're going to be a good team. So I could see them overachieving and even winning like 12 games. You have uh, the Tennessee Titans in second in the AFC South, uh, nine and seven last year, plus 71 point differential, offensive DVOA, DVOA sixth, defensive 16th. Uh, big change here, Dean Pease, who you wrote quite a bit about this summer uh, as you were writing about uh, pass rushing and protections and manipulating uh, offenses, which Dean Pease was an absolute master at. Uh, Dean Pease retired. There was no defensive coordinator named in his stead. Jim Hazlitt was hired as El- as the linebackers coach. Um, you know, that seems like really the, the biggest change is that Pease was really a, uh, you know, a guy who worked with Belichick, worked with the Ravens, uh, is, really did a great job across his career making defenses work better than the sum of their parts. Uh, and certainly saw that last year when the Titans beat the Ravens uh, in the playoffs and that, that run um, didn't really, not, not many changes on this team. They're sort of running it back. Uh, did add Vic Beasley, Marcus Mariota left in free agency. So did Jack Conklin. Neither one of those are big losses. Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker are also gone. Um w- Ryan Tannehill got got a big franchise quarterback type deal. Uh, you have written previously that he is not a guy who is uh, doing sustainable things that make him uh, what Titans fans want him to be, I think, which is a top 10 quarterback. Uh, he's just not quite at that level, uh, more of like a, a Kirk Cousins type player who he can – Sometimes make the throws and sometimes not. Uh, where do you see him? I mean, what what do you expect from him this season? Because so much of the offense is going to hinge on uh, what he can do. I'm. I don't think there's any way he matches what he did last year, and that seems to be what the Titans are paying him for. They gave him the Kirk Cousins three year, basically guaranteed deal, and. I don't think there's a chance that he does what he did last year because so much of it was predicated on the play action pass game. And you look back throughout recent history and it shows that play action performance just isn't consistent year to year. And the Titans weren't just good at play action. They were historically good at play action. You have to go back to the 2013 Broncos, that offense with Peyton Manning, that's I think broke the record for most points scored for a team that averaged over 11 yards on play action plays and football outsiders show had a chart that showed the, I think it was like the 20 best play action teams in the last decade. And almost all of them regressed the next year. And like their, their production was cut in half the year after they, they had a great year with play action. So we're expecting more of the same with the Titans. I don't see how, I don't think they're going to even come close to what they did. And then you have, obviously, Derrick Henry is seen as like the heart and soul of that offense, but he's coming off uh, a season where he led the league in carries. So right. you almost have to expect him to fall off a little bit. Like maybe he, he'll, he'll still be a good player. I have no doubt about that, but there's no way he's going to do what he did last year where at times he just carried that offense. So if Tannehill takes a step back and Derrick Henry take a, takes a step back, I mean, the offense isn't going to be as good, and then you lose your defensive coordinator, so you should expect the defense to not be as good. I and this team, I, I what did they win? They won nine games last year, so it's not like they even, it's not like they made the playoffs comfortably. Like it's, I I could see the team winning like only seven games. Right. Yeah. Derrick Henry had three hundred three carries last season. 
215 the year before. He's going to be 26 this year. It'll be his fifth season in the NFL. Uh, you know, he's a beast. He's a monster. He's 6'3", 250 pounds. Um, you, you know, again, you hate to say it, but uh, this is generally when running backs start to fall off. Uh, maybe he breaks that that trend, but it just seems very unlikely that he's going to be as effective last year. Uh, we know from the nerds that uh, the quality of the running game doesn't actually mean anything for uh, play action uh, effectiveness. But as you said, it's volatile and, and likely to regress uh, from where they were last season. So uh, it just does not seem like, you know, there were, there were no additions really on the offense. Uh, they drafted a tackle, you know, so maybe better protection, but uh, there's not much here that's been different from last season. Um, defensively, what are your question marks here? Uh, you know, where is this team going without Dean Peace? And, and can can it continue? I mean, it is what he was doing transferable to the next group of whoever is making uh, the decisions? It seems like Mike Grable, the uh, head coach, who was a former defensive, you know, a linebacker. It seems like he's going to be in that role maybe as, as far as we can glean. Can that continue? Can their success there continue based on what you've seen on film? Uh, maybe, like, Vrabel did some some good things when he was the Texans' defensive coordinator. The results weren't there, but they, they had lost a lot of guys. Like, J.J. Watt didn't play his one season as defensive coordinator. And Dean Pease seems to think that Vrabel will have no problem, like, carrying on what he did. And then you look at the secondary and like there's no huge names at the cornerback position, but there are some guys that could be good. Like Malcolm Butler is overpaid, but he's still a decent corner. Mm-hmm. And then they drafted Christian Fulton, who was a guy I really liked out of LSU. He's a good man corner. They have right. a Dory Jackson who has played well, but he never he never stays healthy. I think he was a, a former first round pick. And then Jonathan Joseph, apparently he's still playing football. He's, yeah. he's here. Wow. So there's some names there. Like their secondary could be better. It's just getting pressure on the quarterback. Like you have Jeffrey Simmons, who once he returned from injury during his rookie year, he was he was hard to block. Land, Harold Landry, who was a guy that a lot of draft experts really liked coming out of college, and he has some sacks to his name, but he's never really put it together. And then obviously Vic Beasley is a guy – who was drafted highly, had that one good year in 2016 and hasn't been able to match it. But I do think if Frable can kind of put together put together the same defense that Pease did, that Beasley would be a guy that really benefits because it's a defense where you're designing exotic pressure looks. So Beasley's not going to just have to beat the tackle in front of him. He's going to have like a running head start. He's going to be able to use that athleticism that got him drafted so high. And... I think it could result in like a renaissance for his career. I think, I mean, he's never going to match what he did in 2016, but he could be productive. And if all of that breaks right and some of their corners play well, some of those young guys play well, I could see the defense maybe being even better than it was last year. And then I think that's the key to, to this team because the defense has to improve because we know the offense is going to take a step back from where it was around playoff time. All right. Uh, over under from Bet MGM eight point five football outsiders eight point one. What's your thought? Uh, I'm going to go with the under. There's just too many signs that this team is going to regress on maybe both sides of the ball, and I expect the Colts to be a lot better. And then obviously you're dealing with Deshaun Watson. The Texans may not be a good team, but he can right. beat any team. Yep, that brings us to the Texans. Uh, and where did Watson finish in your QB rankings? Was he third? He was third. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Uh, that's the story with the Houston Texans. Uh, <laughs> Ten and six last year, negative seven point differential. Wow. Uh, offensive DVOA, 16th, defensive 26th. Um, new, new defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver. Obviously, the big news from the offseason was the trade of DeAndre Hopkins to uh, Arizona for David Johnson, the running back, uh, Brandon Cooks also, and Randall Cobb uh, will attempt to fill the void left by Hopkins. Uh, what What is Bill O'Brien doing here? What, what's going on? That is a very good question. If I had the answer, I would probably 
I'd be in the Texans front office right now, <laughs> but I'm not. And I don't know what he's doing, but he has Deshaun Watson. So I don't know if it matters. Like you can look at all these weaknesses on the team and then you just go, well, Deshaun Watson is here. And as long as he's right. here, the Texans have a chance to be a decent team. And I think he's just getting better as a quarterback. I, I don't think the Texans are going to win enough games to make the playoffs but I can't see them losing more than like more than 10 games with Deshaun Watson there. He's just too good. At, unless he gets injured, the Texans are going to be a, a competitive team no matter what happens. And there's a lot that could go, could go wrong with this team because there are a lot of holes on the roster. Right. Yeah. And Thanks a lot of injury, Brian. Right. A lot of injury questions. Uh, you know, Brandon Cooks has been injured repeatedly i mean it's it's sad. he should not be playing football like he's right. had five concussions i right will, will, Fuller, will fuller the other wide receiver speedy wide receiver can't stay i mean he's never healthy jj watt uh you know you think back to what his incredibly dominant years i mean he was just on a different level but he's uh really dealt with injuries ever since then um and I, again you know i mean gosh i hope he comes back but that's a that's a lot to hope for if you are the guy running the team. Um, so, just so many holes uh, on on this squad right now, and and like you said, it's Bill O'Brien's fault. I mean, he's the one who's built this this weird uh, weird conglomeration of players. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is is you know they obviously made the trade for him and gave him a big deal, uh, and he's good, um, but. <laughs> Again, just the totality of the roster construction does not make a ton of sense as you look at this. Um, and not not a ton of help coming from the draft either. I think they didn't pick till uh, the second round and picked the defensive tackle, Ross Blake, Blacklock. Um, you know, just not, a, not an injection of talent here really other than David Johnson, I guess. Um, the uh, bet MGM over under is seven point five wins. Football Outsiders seven point five as well. What's your take here? I'm going to take the over because, like I said, Deshaun Watson is still Deshaun. here, and I think team. I think we undervalue what he brings to the team. Like we look at Bill O'Brien, and we all laugh at these moves, and we look at the roster and just say, I mean, just it's so bad around him. But a quarterback makes up for a lot of a team's weaknesses. And I think he's a quarterback that's able to do that no matter what's around him. Like he's been able to do that these past few years, obviously losing DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to make things harder on him, but I think his improvement as a quarterback, he's still very young. I think that's going to make up for it. And maybe Brandon Cook stays healthy. Maybe Will Fuller stays healthy in this offense. I think the passing offense has a chance to be very good if everyone stays healthy. And I think that will be enough. And, Watson's going to keep them in games and they're going to win some games. They probably shouldn't have won. Like they beat the chiefs last year in Kansas city. Like they shouldn't have won that game. I think you're going to see a couple wins like that and they're going to overachieve. This will be uh, Deshaun Watson's fourth season. Uh, so, you know, he's obviously coming up to a new deal uh, at some point. Uh, I mean, is this the most wasted player in the NFL at this point? I it, you just, I mean, I'm just struggling to even see a path forward where we really get to see Deshaun Watson play for a competent team. Uh, yeah, what what does the future hold for this Texans organization? I mean, I think you have to say he, he is. He's like this generation's Andrew Luck. I don't even know if they're considered the same generation, but it's like the same thing right. happening. They refuse to move on from this coach and this GM. With the Colts, it was two different guys. It was Grigson and Pagano. With the Texans, it's the same guy. And, I mean, until O'Brien's out of there, I don't see how they're going to take advantage of his youth. I think it's going to be wasted. And I'm, hopefully I'm wrong because he's such a great player and he's been a winner. Like, right. in college, he was he was a winner. He's carried the, the Texans to the playoffs two years in a row. I hope I'm wrong, but... I, yeah, I think he is being wasted. Yeah, I mean, the, the the fact that the Texans have gotten the level of quarterback play they've gotten out of Deshaun Watson for the last couple years at a total cap hit of like, you know, 
9 million over those years and are in the position they're in is I, I, I'm not sure there could be a greater indictment of an NFL team. And I mean, Bill O'Brien has done some smart things elsewhere. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I, he's a Bill Belichick guy. He did a great job coaching Penn state, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's shocking to see where this franchise is given that they had a young quarterback on his rookie deal playing at the level he did um, and just not much to show for it and not headed in the right direction. They're just, again, uh, whenever you look at an NFL team now, you're always thinking about, you know, what trajectory they have and, and whether they can retool anytime soon. And it's, it's hard to see any of that happening for the Texans uh, where they are right now. Uh, which brings us to the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> of retooling. Uh, I, I'm, I think that the Jaguars are in full uh, tank mode at this point. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, Leonard Fournette, the running back, was cut, a, uh, and then Yannick Ngakwe was traded away. Um, it just seems like Jacksonville finally realizes that it's – tank for Trevor time uh, six and 10 last year, negative 97 point differential offensive DVOA 24th defensive 29th. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team's right there with Carolina. Uh, what, where, where do you see things going here? My favorite part, like when these guys get out of Jacksonville, like it's happened a lot this off season where guys have been traded is that like the guys that had uh, already gotten out, they like, say like oh i'm so happy for you that you're free now like it's happened right. every time this has happened right so nagakwe took like a big he took like a huge pay cut like he, right he, he took like a pay cut equivalent to what i'm gonna make the rest of my life just to get out of uh jacksonville so and he was a guy who was holding out for more money he was willing <laughs> to give up money to get out of jacksonville that says it all but i mean i think they're doing the right thing now it, it still comes down to how they use these draft picks. They have a lot of draft picks upcoming and I'm not confident in Dave Caldwell using them right. Cause he hasn't used them before. Like this is a guy that is getting a second chance at rebuilding, which doesn't happen a lot in the NFL, but his first chance, he had all the tools in the world to build a good team. Like he had hundreds of millions of cap space. He had all the top five picks you could want. And the most he could muster was a 10 and six fluky playoff run. And right. then he doubled down on Blake Bortles. And that's why we're here right now. They don't have a quarterback. They passed on Patrick Mahomes. They passed on Deshaun Watson. They passed on Lamar Jackson to keep Bortles around. And we see the problem. And I'm hoping for Jaguars fans sake that they don't get fooled by Gardner Minshew, which I think is possible. Like if he plays well enough, I could see them not drafting a quarterback next year. And that's, just going to set them back years again. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they, they do everything they can to draft one of those top quarterbacks. Right. And I think they're going to uh, be in position to do it because this roster does not look good outside of some young receivers that could potentially be good. Right, right. Uh, Steven did write about this over the weekend uh, at ftw.usatoday.com. The Jaguars' talent purge can be traced back to their misplaced confidence in Blake Bortles. Uh, you you were calling it at the time uh, when you know in 2017 after the 2017 season when uh, the when Jacksonville seemed to commit to Bortles as a possible answer even though he was at the same point already a laughing stock for both, for most of the NFL uh, you know we've talked about many teams the Rams others that are in a similar position where uh, a quarterback looks competent but once you start paying them real money it really closes your window to, to prop them up and they have got to do it on their own. And Blake Borles obviously was not a guy who was going to do that. And it has led to ruin. I, I mean, I don't know guy Gardner Minshew. Uh, it's funny because you, you did predict when he was coming out of college uh, before the draft last year, that, that he would one day be an NFL starter. You saw that in him. It happened much earlier than anyone expected because of Nick Foles getting injured. Uh, and he turned out to kind of be what you thought, which is a stopgap starter who can fill in and 
look cool. Um, you know, like, I mean, have a mustache, run around, make some throws, but uh, not really lead an offense. I, I mean, gosh, I, do you really think they could fall in love with Gardner and not pick a quarterback? I mean, they fell in love with Blake Bortles. So yes, it's the same. And it's, and I think Caldwell will, will want to have, I think that's something he, he could point to. He could be like, I drafted this guy on third, on the third day. I found a quarterback. Like this is something I did well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he yeah. submits to him. And I think he fits in with Jacksonville, like with that fan base. <laughs> like He's very Florida. He's yeah. very Florida uh, <laughs> is what you're saying. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Bortles is the number three pick overall. I think it's a, it's a right, lot, that's true. you know, uh, GMs are much more likely to fall in love with those guys and force it and say, I got it right. than to take credit for like, Oh, I, I found a gem later in the draft and, and I'm going to make that, make that my thing and make it work. But um, let's say, let's say they, he plays well, like he's a decent quarterback and they win seven games. So they're not in a position to draft one of those top guys. Maybe well, yeah. they convince themselves not to trade up, like keep those draft picks, try to build around Minshew and hope he's the guy. The problem is like they he would only have two years left on his rookie deal because they wouldn't have a fifth year option. So they'd have to pay him within two years, and then it's going to be hard to build around him. So I could see that happening. Like that's a possibility. Like Football Outsiders has them winning seven point one, has them projected for seven point one wins. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe they're a mid-level team, and I think that's the worst thing that could happen for this team. <laughs> What's going to happen with Justin Fields if he if the Big Ten doesn't play? I mean, there's some there's a lot of conjecture that he might transfer. Apparently, he was at a Georgia football scrimmage recently, so maybe he'll pop up and play somewhere. It's not going to matter. Like his tape last year was good enough to get him drafted in the top five. It's not going to matter. He's going to be. I think he's going to be right behind Lawrence. Like, and I think there might be a debate between those two. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like there, I think we were shaping up for a debate. And now if Lawrence plays, uh, Lawrence was not as good last year as he was the, uh, the year before. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that all sort of moves because Lawrence is putting things on tape and fields is just sort of, if he, if he doesn't end up playing, uh, I don't know. I mean, apparently Donald Trump called uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren today and everything's sorted out. So I'm looking forward to uh, to watching some Big Ten football. Uh, just kidding. Feels like that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> uh, just a guess. Um, what is your what is your take on the Jag- Jags? Like where you just mentioned that they could be a middle of the pack team. Uh, over on the bet MGM has the over under at five wins. Uh, football outsiders has it at 7.1. That might be the biggest spread we've seen. Right. Uh, that's, that's huge. I'm siding uh, with is, Vegas. I think Vegas, Vegas, <laughs> they have a little more riding on it. So I'm going to side with them. I think the Jaguars are going to win four games. Like Minshew was impressive for when he was drafted, but he really declined over the second half of the season. And like, that's based on it. Basically every met metric like DVOA, QBR, PFF grade. He was just not the same player in the second half. So I don't have a lot of faith in him being the guy. Like this situation I laid out, I don't think that's going to actually happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, this team, uh, again, besides not having talent, uh, this team has a ton of new players and it's just we'll have to uh, work them in. Uh, you know, like you said, they, they had a ton of draft picks this past year. Uh, and have a ton moving forward. So it certainly seems like a full rebuild mode here and, and potential to, like you said, a potential to get it right. Um, but if, the worst thing, the worst thing that could happen is that Jacksonville wins the last four games of the season <laughs> and, and tricks itself into continuing on down the path. Um, so, all right. Well, we have one more uh, set, one more preview episode to go. Uh, Going to head out to the West, NFC and AFC West, uh, later this week. Um, and then we will uh, record an episode sort of taking a look at the entire season. And then the season will be upon us. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into the rhythm of the games. Uh, looking forward to that. What else are you working on? What, uh, what are you digging into as we prepare to get going in the season? We're going to rank offenses and defenses. And I also have 
franchise core rankings coming out. That's GMs, head coaches, and quarterbacks combined. That oh, should man. be coming out later this week. Love that. Excited for that one. Uh, should be really telling as far as uh, who's making the right decisions and, and steering their franchises in the right direction. Um, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Appreciate you listening to the counter. Do find us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Corman. He's at the Steven Ruiz. Find us on the internet at ftw.usatoday.com. We're going to have a ton of stuff coming up over the next little bit. Obviously it's uh, Labor Day weekend coming up. Hope you relax with your families, have a good time, but then uh, read about some football when you, when you get a little downtime and prepare for the season. Uh, Steven, how should we end this episode? Uh, let's say a little prayer for Deshaun Watson. He's going to need it the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Deshaun. Let's, let's rescue Deshaun. I'm, uh, maybe we need to rank. Maybe we need to do a ranking of quarterbacks who most had their careers wasted. Uh, let's kidnap Deshaun Watson and force him to sign elsewhere when his contract is up. Just put him, put him in a, 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 a mildly competent offense and see what happens. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for being here. We will talk to you next time. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports, featuring For the Wind, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.